And it was really scary. Again, I thought, you know, maybe I'm not, maybe that's it for me. Maybe I'm never going to have sex again. This is Fred Smith. After a traumatic accident, he is forced to relearn everything, including everything he thought he knew about sex and masculinity. You know, I remember feeling so ashamed and thinking, you know, it was it was just the cherry on top. It was like not not only, you know, can I not stand, walk, bike, mountain bike, work, you know, I can't have sex either. He never would have thought that this injury would teach him to have the best sex he's ever had. It's like a superpower and then for her, to hear her say that to me, use those words, like, oh, it's like a superpower. I was like, oh my God, it is like a superpower. And that it would open the door to new tools, enriching his sex life even more. I've got a great handy tool. And what do you know? Boom. You're listening to Love and Disability. I'm Alice Edwards. The year is 2019, and Fred Smith from the UK lives in the French Alps. He is 36 years old and kind of an adrenaline junkie. Like, I love all things crazy, like taking risks. I'm a risk taker. He lives in Morzine, one of the most northern French alpine communes, and a paradise for outdoor sports. Fred snowboards, he mountain bikes, He works in a busy kitchen and he parties all night. It's an intense lifestyle. I was always chasing the next high, whether it be snowboarding, uh, steeper descents or going off bigger jumps or, you know, partying longer into the night. He has a long-term girlfriend and an active sex life. I was definitely a guy who... I guess you could describe as typical. I guess a typical man where the goal is penetration, the goal is male ejaculation at the end, and I think genuinely I've always been quite a generous lover. Like so, I do appreciate like taking, being respectful and taking care of the women that I've been with and sort of pleasuring them a little bit. But yes, so it, it's mainly penetration and ejaculation is, is, the, is the clear end of the sexual encounter. He loves his life to the max, but it all comes to a screeching halt that one snowy day in January. I was snowboarding with my friend Pete. I was a bit of a risk taker and I ducked under a rope and I said, hey Pete, I know a really good place where we can get some powder. Fred and Pete... They go off-piste, snowboarding outside the ski resort's boundaries into an unmarked and unpatrolled area of the mountain. Uh, It had been snowing, but it wasn't too deep. And then what happened was the clouds came rolling in and it was like a, a whiteout. Everything is white. They can't tell the sky from the snowy ground. They can't see where they're going. Still, Fred keeps blindly going down the slopes, chasing that next high, 
when suddenly. And I remember that feeling, you know, when you're on a roller coaster and your stomach goes, I was just like, ooh. Um, and then. Fred snowboards straight off a 20 meter high cliff and crashes into rock after rock. Boom, boom. And then he sees it. He sees the thing that will alter his life forever. And he's rushing towards it. There was this big, gnarly-looking rock. It was like the, the asteroid from Armageddon, you know? It was really nasty and sharp. And as I was turning in the air, I remember thinking, I'm going to hit that with my back. And then, ah, uh, that was it. And then just this shooting pain. And then I just... Don't remember anything after that apart from... Oh my god, I can't feel my legs, I can't feel my legs. Fred hits the rock so hard that it punches a hole straight through his jacket and clothes, crushing his spine, breaking his T12 vertebrae, and rendering him paralyzed from the chest down. When he wakes up at the hospital, he can't understand what his family from the UK is doing there. And he cannot believe what the doctors are telling him. That he has to give up his entire lifestyle. And I remember there was a very, very, very uncomfortable moment for my family when they told me that I was a paraplegic and I said, fuck this, I don't want to live, you may as well just kill me because if I can't move my legs, if I can't snowboard, I don't want to live. If I can't ride my bike, what's the point in living? And that was very, very hard for my family to hear because obviously I had just dodged a bullet, you know? I, 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 was, I was alive to tell the tale. I was very lucky, but I couldn't see it that way. Fred doesn't speak French well and he isn't in a spinal unit either. It's a generic rehab center. So... He doesn't ask, and nobody tells him what sex will be like after his injury. I had no guidance whatsoever. With his girlfriend by his side, they try to find their way back to intimacy. But Fred still doesn't realize that sex, it will never look the same. So the first sex after my injury was very crushing for me because I remember thinking if I can get an erection then I can have sex however I couldn't maintain that erection and I also couldn't feel my dick really so it was a real clumsy failed attempt and I remember you know her being on top and then it slipping out and then me not realizing it had slipped out and almost sort of groaning in a performative way, like, like, oh yeah, mm, where I couldn't actually feel it, you know, it wasn't even in that, you know, and I'd lost my erection and I was just like, oh, I, you know, it was, it was almost embarrassing. Yeah, it was definitely rough. It was very hard. It was, you know, crushing, but it was on top of all the other things, you know, it was, it was just the cherry on top. It was like, not, not only, you know, can I not stand, walk, bike, mountain bike, work, you know, I can't have sex either. 
The sex isn't the toughest part for Fred to handle, as he's coming to terms with his new life. But it does take a toll on his self-esteem. He feels less of a man. Lacking. Not whole enough to deserve a relationship. You know... It's it's embarrassing, you know, like, yeah, of course it's embarrassing, you know, it's part of being a man. Being a man is being a sexual being, you know, being a being like someone who can, you know, fuck his girlfriend, you know, and, and that's like something that I couldn't do anymore. And it was crushing. It was, you know, I can't do that, you know, and, and there's so many things I couldn't do, but having that taken away from me as well was just... So, so hard, you know. And yeah, I do associate, I think, a, a part of my masculinity with sex, you know. Like, how how well you can have sex is certainly a measure of one's masculinity, you know. Like, um, even the amount of sexual partners you have, like, they, you, you, that gets measured, you know, in your male friend group. Oh, you know, like, I had sex with that girl last night. That's really cool. I mean, not that that, that doesn't that's not really a sort of tally sheet that I keep nowadays I'm much older and more mature but like yeah for sure masculinity in a peer group of boys is you know you know oh did you make her come you know like stuff like that you know how good was it you know how long did you last and stuff like that and and then for me to go from that which I do admit is quite immature but to like oh I I can't even get an erection I I I'm I'm a sexless being i'm i may as well be a eunuch you know like no i can't even have sex uh and that was that was awful you know it was very very awful he thought that his girlfriend deserved better than him that relationships are over for him it affected me in so many ways for sure because like i said being a man in the eyes of society and in the eyes of like male peer groups is being that stereotypical guy who can even just be able to attract women like no matter how you perform in the bedroom you could lie about that you know but even be able to attract women you know like um if when you're when you're out oh you got with that girl and then sometimes you'd go home alone and you'd be like oh well I didn't go home with anyone and then I was thinking well I'm never gonna go I'm never going to go home with anyone. Fred is being forced to face what ideas he's had, what he's learned that heterosexual men are supposed to be like in the bedroom. In his head, he's playing through TV programs, movies and porn he's seen and realizing that that isn't at all what sex has to be like. That it can be so much more. There was a a moment where I remember thinking, because I can't feel my penis, uh, that sex wasn't going to be any good for me. But I do remember there being a moment where a realisation, and this took a long time, actually, but I remember thinking sex isn't just about penetration or you know hitting the g-spot or giving her an orgasm it's about connection and it was really wonderful exploring that with a girlfriend and 
having sex in a very different way. It was really beautiful on that journey of like sexual discovery of being like, oh, okay, you know, we can enjoy each other. You know, we can breathe together at the same time. You know, it's almost like a mutual meditation while connected. And then we can look into each other's eyes and maintain eye contact while breathing at the same time. And it was really deep, deep, deep connection. And I remember she, her finding a lot of pleasure in that. And I remember thinking, oh, wow, so, you know, my sex life isn't over. It's just different now. It's really, it's, more, it's special in a way. It, it's, it's, it's different, but it, it certainly doesn't suck. It, it's not the same as before, but it's... It's 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 kind of beautiful. It's really nice. And the more we practiced that, the better we got at it. And in the end, it taught me so much more about intimacy and the role of perhaps traditional masculinity and the connection one can have with someone even without, you know, fast-paced sex. Of course, it doesn't happen overnight. But... Slowly, Fred is relearning what sex can be like. And, like they say, practice makes perfect. Or at least a lot better. So, for example, like my ears and my neck become like really heightened erogenous zones. So when they were sort of kissed or nibbled, I could have these almost whole body orgasms, which were incredible. They were really like visceral. I was, I would, my, my, body would be shaking and I would be sort of very, you know, like floating on a cloud of endorphins, like really lovely. And it was really beautiful. And this could happen more, more than once. And I remember thinking, wow, this is incredible. It's pretty much like I'm having multiple orgasms, but I'm not ejaculating, but we're having pleasure together. And it was such a beautiful, beautiful connection. And he finds tools, tools that pre-injury Fred wouldn't have looked twice at even though they can open up a whole new world to sex, regardless if you have a disability or not. I saw a post on a Facebook page and someone used quite uh, open language saying, all right, guys, get yourself an erection, put this on the banjo string and pop goes the weasel. And I was like, well, that's got to be worth a try. 30 euros, ordered one. So I've got this... Uh, vibrator it's the brand is bed geek and it cost about 30 euros on amazon and it looks kind of like a penis and it's penis shaped and when you put it on it vibrates and the end vibrates like really quite mm, it vibrates enough and then i put that on the end of my penis and that sends a signal to Well, well, whatever. It, it feels really, it feels really good, and uh, it can it can uh, help me achieve orgasm, which is wonderful. But yeah, that that's my, that's my uh, that's my toy. It has um, I only really use this one. This is like the top setting, but yeah, it does. You can go down, and then back up again, and then it has different settings, which kind of like pulse a little bit, but um. Yeah, I just kind of prefer... Oh, hello. <laughs> oh, wow, yeah, that one's... Uh, I haven't tried that one yet, but... Um, yeah, so it's got a lot of settings, and... Hold on a sec. Wow. That would, that would actually probably feel quite good, actually. Sorry, I'm just trying to put it back on the regular setting. Do you know what? It doesn't matter, sorry. Um... <laughs> 
And the vibrator was a big turning point for Fred in relearning his sexuality. And what do you know? Boom. I had an, my first ejaculation after my injury and it was fantastic. It was so good. It felt absolutely incredible. Um, I, you know, just, it felt so good on so many levels. First of all, my first orgasm in about 18 months, seeing myself ejaculate was incredible. Like being like, oh my God, I can. Also, I was floating on a cloud of endorphins. It felt absolutely incredible. And the added bonus was my legs were so flaccid and it really helped my spasticity so much. And I was just so, so relaxed. And I remember thinking, yes, it works, it works. Um, although I have to say, using a sex toy as a man, for some reason, I did feel weird about that. I definitely thought that having a sex toy was uh, something to be a little bit embarrassed about. My name is Damien Weatherald and I am a sex educator who specialises in sex and disability and I'm also an advisor, accessible consultant for sex toy companies. Damien has been working in the sex toy industry for nearly 20 years as both a retailer and a consultant, helping sex toy companies to come in contact with the disabled community and learn what they are asking for in the market. And as a licensed sex educator that specializes in sex and disability, he's spoken to hundreds of men who have the same feelings as Fred towards using sex toys. Sex toys are very stigmatized for penis owners. I think this is because, again, when it's not something you really see talked about in mainstream media. You, you don't often, you can hear, like, you know, if you went down to the pub and you could hear groups of women talking about sex toys quite openly, you would not really hear men talking about that. When Damien is consulting men with disabilities in their sex life, he finds that the majority has never used a sex toy. And they feel like using one would be like admitting that you're not enough as a man. Instead of looking at it like a fun way to explore sex, regardless of disability or gender identity. We wouldn't feel ashamed for using something to assist us in any other walk of life. For example, we wouldn't feel ashamed for using a navigation tool on our phone or something in the kitchen to make your job easier. So why be like offended by using a sex toy? You are using something to enhance your life and make it easier. It's nothing to be ashamed of. Damien sees that the market for sex toys is slowly starting to change, being more inclusive to all genders and different disabilities. The market has been predominantly aimed at vulva owners because of the likes of Sex in the City, which obviously the rampant rabbit just sent sales skywards, and it's always been the next thing to develop the next type of product for that market. I think the male market has been neglected because there's been so much time and money spent in the vulva owners market. And 
a lot of men don't want to own up to using sex toys, and I think that has got an element to play. I think the more open conversations we have about that, I think more money will go into research and development of more products for penis owners. And then on top of that, then more money and research needs to go into products for trans people and disabled people as well. So the way forwards is to do what we're doing right now. Talk about it. So we need more people to do this and break these stigmas down for sex toy companies to listen to us and realize there is A, a big market out there and B, what a profound difference they could make to someone. There, there are some so many good sex toys out there, but we need to move it on the next step and look at how we can make them more inclusive. Society might not have gone very far in breaking the stigma surrounding men using sex toys. But Fred has. Fred's come a long way. I've come to realize that it's actually nothing to be ashamed of at all. It's, you know, women have sex toys and also she really likes it as well. It's something that we can both use and it's, um, yeah, it, it's, you know, it, it, it doesn't, it's, it's unisex, you know, <laughs> it's, it's not like a, um, I don't think it's designed for, for men with spinal cord injuries. Uh, in fact, I, I probably think it's probably designed for women. So it's wonderful. Like we can use it together. It, it's fun. And it's definitely nothing to be ashamed of. Fred and his girlfriend have learned a lot about intimacy together. And they're more than just partners. They're best friends. But life has other plans for them. And they decide to part ways. And I was very happy for her to move on because it became very clear that we weren't on the same path. And it wasn't to do with the spinal cord injury. This was many, many years later. We just, she just wanted different things. She wanted to live a different lifestyle. Since they're such close friends, Fred feels comfortable opening up about his insecurities during their breakup. I bet, you know, when you move on, you can't wait to have sex with someone without a spinal cord injury, an able-bodied person who can, like, you know, really, you know, make love to you probably the way you've been missing. And her answer, it shocks him. She says to him, I think some of the best sex we've ever had is after your injury, which was shocking to me. I, it was such a, it was, it was such a beautiful, beautiful compliment. I had no idea that she felt that way. There was always this insecure part of me that thought that she missed being like um, taken, you know, like not really manhandled, but like, you know, fucked, I guess, you know, like, or, you know, made love to by a guy that, you know, could really thrust and, um, and do things that I couldn't. And it turned out that wasn't the case. She actually preferred sex with me when it was a deep connection and it was slower and it was, she said, yeah, it was some of the deepest connections that she's ever felt was after my injury, which was so beautiful. I, I hadn't, had no idea that would be the case. And uh, it was very, very flattering. I remember thinking, wow, I can't believe that she thinks that. And that gave me a lot of confidence moving forward that may, maybe if I had a sexual partner in, in the future after her 
that uh, hopefully I could use that knowledge and find a connection. And he does. So I was with this girl and we were we were kissing and then I just said to her, I think, you know, maybe it's time that we have a discussion about intimacy and my injury. And she said, okay. And I said, okay, well, let me tell you how it works. You know, this is what I can do and, and what I can't do. Even though Fred has come a long way in wrestling his own insecurities surrounding sex and masculinity, he's still nervous. But he decides to be honest. He tells her about needing Viagra to keep an erection. He tells her about his sex toy. I don't know why I was so ashamed to just say it out loud, but once I said it, and like her reaction was like, oh, okay, like, that's no big deal. And I was like, and you've also got a sex toy? Cool. Like, you know, it was just so nice for her to react so very openly. And, and, and I was like, why was I so scared of being honest? Like, I'm just being honest here. You know, what, what, where's the shame in having, a, in having a sex toy and using Viagra? Fred Smith has rewritten the script in his brain. He isn't having great sex in spite of his injury. He's having the best sex of his life because of his injury. It's like a superpower. And then for her, to hear her say that to me, use those words, like, oh, it's like a superpower. I was like, oh my God, it is like a superpower. And that's why I would love to communicate that to people who are newly injured and think that perhaps, you know, sex is over, you know, like the way I thought, like, oh, you know, my sex life is never going to be the same again. I didn't know it was going to be better. You know, I had no idea it was going to be better. I didn't know it was going to, like, make for deeper connections and extra orgasms, really, you know, like extra erogenous zones, superpowers in the bedroom. I think I definitely would describe my new sex life as better than my old sex life, for sure. I've definitely had the best sex I've ever had after my injury. And if you'd have told me that after I got injured, I would have said, no way, Jose. But it has been incredible. It's been a, such a wild journey of discovery, discovering myself, discovering sexual partners that I've had. And that has taught me so, so much about what it means to be a man in the bedroom. It doesn't actually mean that you have to be, you know, manly in air quotes. It just means you can be gentle. You can be a, you, you, to be a lover. It doesn't have to be penetration. It doesn't have to be rough. It doesn't have to be all these other things. It, it, it can just be, uh, connection is the most important thing. Listen to Love and Disability, a filled production about love and sex from a disabled perspective. Hosted by me, Alice Edwards. Our technician was Christer Oreteg, and the episode was produced and edited by Maria Elena Selaya.